0: Hey guys, it's Arjorie. Welcome to episode six of why we do the work. Again, I would like to uh, give you a trigger warning. This podcast is about cancer and I will be mentioning cancer quite a bit in this episode. And also as a reminder, this show is based out of Eugene, Oregon, and it came about because my child got sick with cancer while living in a, a heavily industrial area as she was growing up so that being west eugene and there was where there was a wood treatment plant that is no longer in operation called jh baxter is located so again this podcast is based out of eugene oregon and we talk about cancer quite a bit and that's just your trigger warning there thank you So a little recap on what we talked about last time. Uh, last time I had the pleasure of chatting with two dynamite ladies who are in fact the only two environmental justice lawyers in Oregon. I was joined by Beyond Toxic staff attorney and climate manager, Tara Yazdani, and Rebka DeWitt was here, and Rebka is the associate attorney Is an associate attorney at Craig Law Center, which is an environmental justice law firm based out of Portland, Oregon. So last time we discussed um, the reasons why they went into environmental law and some of the things that they're working on right now and the reasons why they do the work that they do. The reasons why they do the work. (laughs) So anyway, today I am riding solo. Yep, just me solo today. So yeah. And we are going to venture down to my home state of Texas, where there was a cancer cluster found in a neighborhood called Cashmere Gardens in Houston, Texas. So... Who does Houston think caused this cancer cluster? Who are they fighting against? What, what are they up against? Well, <laughs> you know the name, Union Pacific Railroad. And if you don't, here's what the Google says. Union Pacific Railroad is the principal operating company of, United, of Union Pacific Corporation, One of America's most recognized companies, Union Pacific Railroad connects 23 states in the western two-thirds of the country by rail, providing a critical link in the global supply chain. From 2012 to 2021, Union Pacific invested approximately $35 billion in its network and and operations to support America's transportation infrastructure. Okay, okay, that's a mouthful, but we're getting there. The railroad's diversified business mix includes bulk, industrial, and premium business groups. Union Pacific serves many of the fast-growing U.S. population centers, operates from all major West Coast and Gulf Coast ports to the Eastern Gateways, connects the- with Canada's rail system, and is the only railroad-serving All six major Mexico City gateways. Union Pacific provides value to roughly 10,000 customers by delivering products in a safe, reliable, fuel-efficient, and here's the cliffhanger, environmentally responsible manner. Well, Union Pacific, that environmentally responsible manner is not the case for Kashmir Gardens. It is not the case for the folks that live out that way. Before I get going, I want to say something very important. I am not by any means saying that I think Union Pacific is all bad. As always, don't hear what I'm not saying. I am saying that in this particular situation in Cashmere Gardens, the company behaved unjustly, and victimize the lives of many in that community. That's what I'm saying. Just like I'm not saying that every industrial facility in West Eugene is a bad actor. So, this is who they're up against. This is big time. And it is happening right now. This is happening right now. Have you heard about it? Have you ever heard of Kashmir Gardens? Well, that's why I'm here to tell to take off those rose-colored glasses and see the lives of people being impacted by facilities like J.H. Baxter and Kashmir Gardens, and in Kashmir Gardens' case, Union Pacific. So now that we know who, what, when, where, why, how we got here, let's talk about cancer clusters. Most folks know what a cancer cluster is, I'm sure, but if you don't and you need a little refresher, here's what Google says. As per the CDC, a cancer cluster is a greater than expected number of cancer cases that occurs within people in a geographic area over a period of time. Now, to me, that's a pretty vague and small definition for the magnitude of distress and fear and pain associated with cancer. But they're not asking for the artery definition of a cancer cluster. They're not asking for that. Which my definition of a cancer cluster is, let's say, let's think about Godzilla. Let's think about Godzilla. How... They, let's say they, how they smash through the towns and um, Godzilla is smashing through towns in the movies and just causing destruction. That to me is how I see a cancer cluster. I see a cancer cluster as a giant bully just smashing through town and killing people. So that's the archery definition of a cancer cluster. So anyway, this story felt very relatable. And not that there was a cancer cluster found in West Eugene. The OHA did discover, however, that there are higher rates of cancer and Hodgkin's lymphoma, of lung cancer and Hodgkin's lymphoma. And remember, Zion and Simon had Hodgkin's lymphoma. So they did find higher rates of lung cancer and Hodgkin's lymphoma right there by J.H. Baxter. So I'm just saying. I started working with Beyond Toxics as the WECO. Um, It's not the WECO. I'm just calling it that. The WECO is technically the West Eugene Community Organizer, but I'm going to start calling it the WECO. So I started back in November of 2020, just had my anniversary of working with Beyond Toxics just this past week. Um, So I started working with them in November of 2020, joined an awesome team, by the way, who allows me to do fun things like this. Like I never imagined that I would be able to do a podcast. And because I am working with a team that supports me and that cares about what it is that I want to say and that Lisa, who Lisa will be coming up on on a future episode, be ready for that. Um, Lisa, as I've said before, is the executive director of Beyond Toxics, and she has allowed me to do this podcast. But there are many great things that Beyond Toxics is doing, and you can find us at beyondtoxics.org. And if you look on there, you can see everything that's going on with The other folks that are working with Beyond Toxics, how our work sort of blends together and what an awesome organization Beyond Toxics is. So again, that's beyondtoxics.org and you can check out what all is going on with Beyond Toxics and the rest of the team. So I started working as the WECO back in November of 2020 and then fast forward to January of 2020, a whole lot of stuff happened in between that, but fast forward to January of 2020 The DEQ, which is the Department of Environmental Quality, released information that they found high levels of dioxin in homes near J.H. Baxter. And this is came about, all this came about, and they shut down. They shut down essentially essentially with the skeleton crew. That still works there. They shut down on, get this, here's a little karma, 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 karma chameleon, a little karma here. Um, They shut down on January 31st, which is... Zion's birthday. So J.H. Baxter closed down January 31st of 2022, which is Zion's birthday. So delivering a little bit of that come karma, come karma, chameleon. Okay. Anyway, sorry for the rant. They initially took samples from eight homes where they found and detected dioxin in the soil. And since then, there've been many Homes that have had their soil sampled. So then we're going to fast forward to September 20th of 2022. Eight months later, the DEQ released a press a release to explain their tentative plans for cleaning up the yards next to J.H. Baxter. And they found that the contamination had spread further than the initial homes that they had tested. So they had to step out and check other lawns and yards and and homes to see how far the contamination had spread. And it spread further than they imagined. So um, here we are. So I wanted to lay out a little bit about J.H. Baxter. I don't know how much I've talked about it. I wanted to lay out a little bit about J.H. Baxter and the contamination in the community before I jumped into talking about Cashmere Gardens. So this story was really relatable to me because they found dioxin in the properties of residents. I found this relatable because here it is, this BIPOC community, this community in West Eugene are having the same sort of thing happening to them at the same time. So in Cashmere Gardens, you'll find single family homes. Um, In Cashmere Gardens case, a lot of them have large yards, um, which is not good to have it contaminated, to have this large yard contaminated um, in Cashmere Gardens. And so Cashmere Gardens is between an industrial area and a rail corridor. And that sounds a lot like West Eugene to me. So they are an industrial area around a rail corridor, and it reminds me of West Eugene. So I got all this information off of um, some articles that I read and YouTube videos that I watched. And to the best of my ability, I want to make sure that I'm telling everybody's story correctly. So to the best of my ability, I will be telling you what I've learned. And I have done quite a bit of research on this case so that I can be able to relay the information to you factually. So if you're listening to this and I'm saying something that's not right or I didn't add something to some facet of the story, then please reach out to me at aab at beyondtoxics.org. And you can reach me there for anything that you might want to say to me or correct me on or just to say hi. Um, I would be totally jazzed to hear from you guys. So story starts off, With Andre West, and she's a community member of Cashmere Gardens. And like I said, this started to come out, you know, a story started to come out in 2019. um, But the pollution has been there for decades, and and we know that. And I, you know, I know things like this can happen all over the world. Like, I, I know that. But I fell down a giant rabbit hole when I found out about this, and I was amazed about how little we hear about these things. How many places like Kashmir Gardens in West Eugene do we not hear about? How many people are going through this at the same moment that we're going through it, and we don't know about that? There's an astronomical amount of places that happen like this. This isn't a local problem. This is a world problem. And I think I can do a series on this you know, just to share some stories of places that we don't hear about. I think it's important we move forward with cases like this that we hear about the people who live in these areas and see them as people and not statistics. So I think it's important and maybe this will be something that I, that I do every once in a while. So we start off with Andre and she says everybody was family and now everybody's dead. Everybody that I grew up with their families, their parents are dead. I knew the life in these walls, and now there's no life in these walls. It's like Death Valley now. She said it's like Death Valley now. Can you imagine describing your house where you grew up, where your family may still live? I'm not sure how many people still live out that way. Being described as Death Valley. I can imagine that and it's really scary. So she describes her childhood, which is actually, it sounded a lot like my own kid's childhood. You know, we were safe, we were unknowing, we were surrounded by the dangers, yes, but we didn't really think about, well, I'm going to speak for myself, I didn't really think about what could be happening from these smokestacks that were in my neighborhood. I saw it, I smelled it, yes, but I never would have imagined that we would be allowed to live in an area that is contaminated and unsafe. So she describes her childhood. It sounds like my kid's childhood. And, um, she has real fond memories of growing up in that area with her seven brothers and sisters. And she really talked about community quite a bit, which I loved that she wasn't saying the residents. I loved that she was calling them community because that showed me how deep rooted she and everyone else in Kashmir Gardens is and, and still are, you know, how much they were and still are in each other's families and they support each other and they, They're rising up and being one voice while finding their own. And I think that that's beautiful. So she's showing us, as the interview goes on, she's showing us a picture of her with her sisters. And two of those sisters had passed away from lung cancer. Um, Her oldest sister, Cynthia, died of lung cancer in 2015 at the age of 63. And Cynthia was a mother figure to her and her siblings. Andre says that when her mom passed away, and I'm sorry, I don't know if her mom passed away from cancer. I don't know if that's how they lost her or not. I'm sorry. Um, It didn't say in the video, but she said that her sister Cynthia had stepped up um, as a mother figure for her and her siblings when her mom had passed away and that she had just retired and the next year found out she had cancer. So, you know as Andre is telling the story, she's crying silent tears. Like there's no, there's no sound coming out, but there's tears and there's pain. And she's crying those silent tears as she spoke about her siblings. And it was a strong, silent cry. And I know that cry. I know that strong cry. I know tears just falling out of your eyes without you trying to have them be there. I know that. And I felt that silent pain for her. I felt that cry. I mean, she lost her second mom. She lost her mom, mom, and then she lost her her second mom. And that, you know, that's not fair. She also lost her sister, Carolyn, and she died. Carolyn died from lung cancer two years after Cynthia died. So two years later, in 2017, this family is losing another sister. And Andre describes uh, Carolyn as a strong, hardworking grandmother and a sister that was taken away much too, too soon. Something that's interesting to me is that during the interview, Andre said that her sisters, Cynthia and Carolyn, were born two years apart and that they died two years apart. And I, you know, my mind was like, oh, what? And so I was thinking that I, you know, for me, I want to do a deep dive down some of those rabbit holes to see how Exposure to certain contaminants as a child can manifest in your older age. Maybe they play no role at all, and maybe during my course as the (laughs) WECO... Maybe during my my time as the West Eugene community organizer, I learned about some things that could happen as you um, age, you know, being exposed to contaminants, but I don't remember. So, I, And I'm not a scientist, so maybe it doesn't play a role at all, but I, I'll look into that and I'll let you all know in another episode it, what I found out. So she goes on and she says, my sisters were not smokers. And for both of them, to get lung cancer, and my heart dropped when I heard her voice crack and say, for both of them to get lung cancer, they weren't smokers. And when she said that, do you know how, and do you know what flashed in my mind? Like big, giant letters. This triggered my environmental racism uh, alarm loud, loud, and clear. And so what I have perceived working in this environmental justice genre, if you will, in my perception, if you are from a low-income area or a BIPOC community, you have a greater chance of being a smoker. It's like they're saying, oh, hell, they did it to themselves, smoking those cigs. That's what made them sick. They were smoking cigarettes. It wasn't the environment. Well. These women were not smokers. These women, Carolyn and Cynthia, were lost to their families and were victims to environmental racism. They lost their lives and their families lost them forever because their cries were ignored. So in 2020 the state of Texas found that there was a cancer cluster in the 5th ward, which remember the 5th ward is Kashmir Gardens. They discovered a cancer cluster out that way after the community had realized um, expressed their concerns and realized exactly how many of them were getting sick and or dying from cancer. So they expressed their concerns to the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, which is the Texas version of Oregon's Department of Environmental Quality. So the TCEQ is the Texas version of the DEQ, and they handle environmental stuff. So they expressed their concerns to the TCEQ, and they found that cancer cluster there in 2020. So the folks in Cashmere Gardens, they said in this documentary that they didn't explain why. And they mean, meaning the Texas Commission of Environmental Quality said that they didn't explain why there was a cancer cluster, but everybody there, the community members were like, well, we know it's from the creosote and the nearby uh, Union Pacific Rail Yard. We know why we're sick. And speaking of creosote, I don't know that I've actually ever really talked about what that is. Creosote is that nasty tar stuff that you see on utility poles, and creosote produces dioxins. And dioxins are a class of highly, highly toxic chemicals that can result from industrial and natural processes. Um, In this case, it's industrial. Once dioxin is exposed, once it's exposed to the environment, it takes a long time for that to break down. And long isn't even the right word for it. It takes a long time, a long, long time to uh, break down those dioxins. And depending on the exposure level, dioxins can increase the risk of cancer and risk of other health effects. I'm not going to be going down a deep deep hole about the politics in this entire situation. Granted, there are a lot of things going on politically with this, as are there a lot of things going on with J.H. Baxter. I'm not here to to talk about all that. Yes, we do get into why we have these laws and, and what they are, but that's really from the nonprofit view um, for me. I'm here to share stories and tell stories about cancer and industrial pollution. So as I said, Cashmere Gardens um is a historically black and low-income community and they were treated unjustly by a billion dollar company. Um that name again is Union Pacific. So, you know, they're going up against a billion dollar company that has way more money than the folks that are impacted by the poison that they spewed into the neighborhood. So they're going up against something that's really, really huge, and they need the support just like we need support out in West Eugene. So that's- So we're in Cashmere Gardens, where in July of 2022, the city of, of Houston released the findings of dioxin they released that they found um, dioxin in the neighborhood. So the dioxin is found in the yards. And there's a whole big thing that blew up while I was doing the research for this. As I was diving down deep into those rabbit holes, I found a news article. The reporter said that the Houston Chronicle was given a report that was originally done 20 years ago. So this report was taken in 2002, and the report was done for a lawsuit against Union Pacific by employees of that facility because they kept on getting sick. So employees start a lawsuit against Union Pacific in 2002. There's a report that was done. This report was given to the Houston Chronicle, and the report showed that the contamination from the nearby rail yard was way worse, all in capitals here was way worse than anyone thought so here we go the reporter saying for years we thought that the creosote was the main offender that seeped into the soil and groundwater but that report showed that creosote other cancer-causing agents and also revealed that the rail yard off liberty road which is in Kashmir gardens that rail yard in addition to creosote and other cancer-causing agents, also used a concoction of deadly poisons referred to as a creosote extender. Anyway, where did they get this deadly concoction? Where did this deadly concoction come from? Well, I'm about to tell you. That report that was given to the Houston Chronicle, the one that blew the whistle, it also showed that there was toxic waste brought in from several different Superfund sites in the Houston region. Let me say that again. The report that was taken back in 2002 because of a lawsuit against Union Pacific from the employees of that facility that kept on getting sick, there was a report 20 years ago that showed that, yes, they were using creosote, but it also showed that there was toxic waste brought in from several different Superfund sites in the Houston region. A Superfund site is a location contaminated by hazardous waste that has been designated by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency for management and cleanup. That nasty, nasty waste was brought into the Union Pacific Rail Yard in cashmere gardens, and mixed with creosote as part of its wood treatment process. This is a classic case of environmental racism. Do you think that all that waste, let alone hazardous waste, would have been specifically brought into a neighborhood of folks that have the finances to live in unpolluted places? Do you think they would have just brought hazardous waste into some place that is a million-dollar home? No, they wouldn't. People have sold their houses to get away from the pollution, sold their homes. Some of these folks, it's their forever home. They wanted to grow old and have holidays with their grandkids. It's not fair. It's not fair, and it makes me mad for them. And, like, how is this being allowed? How are we just letting people die, get sick? How are we letting people live in fear that you're going to be the next one to, quote, unquote, catch cancer? Mm -hmm. Union Pacific made $6 billion in profits in 2019. 2019 is when the cat was let out of the bag. How many lives do you think could have been saved with $6 billion? This is where it gets hot. A town hall meeting was organized by Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Jackson Lee, who had asked the state to study the the cancer clusters in Kashmir Gardens back in 2019. She gets this meeting organized to support Cashmere Gardens after the news, this is after the Cancer Cluster news was released. It was a packed house, wall to wall, seat to seat. Everybody was there to hear what was going to happen. And when I say that this house was packed, it was packed with scared, angry, confused community members. This is one of my main goals, to have a packed house of community members riled up and ready ready to roar at the folks who threatened us in our family's lives. Oh, and guess who brought her energy to the We're Not Having It party? Miss Erin Brockovich. She was there to support Cashmere Gardens. How awesome is that? One of the things she asked, um, one of the things Erin asked when she was there on the stage, she asked the crowd, who in here has cancer or knows someone who has cancer? over half the crowd stood up half the crowd and like i said it was packed it was packed in there a union pacific rep was there and she left before anyone could ask her any questions she just took off because all these people were standing up and saying this is not okay i'm sick my parents are sick my child died my family my friends Everybody's standing up and telling their truth. And a lot of these people are standing up talking about cancer. So they're having this meeting. Union rep is there. Union Pacific rep is there to answer questions or whatever. And she left before anybody could ask her questions. So the interviewer uh, wasn't going to let her off that easily. So he called her up and he asked her if the handful of people that are still living in Kashmir Gardens, if they were to talk to her, if she would tell them whether or not it was safe to live in their homes, so he's saying if if she was talking to the folks if she had stayed and talked to the folks in the crowd, if she would tell them that it was safe to go back to their house. I'm going to tell you what she said first, remember that um, that report that was given to the Houston Chronicle back in August of twenty twenty two Remember the report? The one that said they brought in all this hazardous waste and, and they were used in a creosote extender and all this, that report. That report was back in August of 2022. This meeting that I'm talking about where the Union Pacific rep was there and left before anybody could ask any questions was in January of 2022. Seven months before the Houston Chronicle article came out. This is what she said. She said, we capped the site. We removed the dirt. We made sure that there was no well water. So there's no way, uh, there's no connection between impacted soil and water and the residents in that neighborhood. Well, that left me scratching my head. That left me scratching my head because clearly I remember the news story that I saw from August of 2020. That says the pollution was way worse than anybody thought. And that lady, the Union Pacific rep, is saying at this meeting in January of 2020 that they didn't have anything to do with the contamination. What? Make it make sense. Make it make sense. So you're going to tell me that you're going to tell families that you're not responsible someone whose 80-year-old dad was diagnosed with cancer and died two months later, you're going to try to make her believe you? You're going to try to make her believe that you didn't have anything to do with it? When the cat was let out of the bag in August of 2022, that said, the contamination was way worse than anybody thought? Yeah, they're not going to believe you because they've lost trust. Think about that. Trying to gaslight an entire neighborhood into thinking that things aren't that bad. So what are they going to do about it? What are we going to do about this situation that's going on in Kashmir Gardens? Well, on July 27th of 2022, this was a month before the way worse than we thought report. Remember that report? July 27th of 2022, a group of elected officials, along with the city lawyer, held a press conference about Kashmir Gardens. How powerful is that? At the behest of the community, the big dog stepped in and said, Wait, what? So the elected officials have banded together to support the community of Kashmir Gardens. They are all coming together to support this community because these people stood up for themselves, for their families and their neighbors and they said, we are not having it. What I want to mention that is remarkable is another one of those parallels between Kashmir Gardens and West Eugene. So I'm the member of a city group. I'm a member of a group of city, state, and community members who have united together, to get this, who have united together to put an action plan for the West Eugene community. Just like Kashmir Gardens, everybody has united to put together a plan of action for the community. West Eugene, along with the city, state, and community members, have united to put together a plan of action for the West Eugene community. when I say that, I'm talking about the core group. This is made up of the DEQ. Remember, that's the Department of Environmental Quality. LRAPA, which is Lane Regional Protection Agency, and they regulate the air in Eugene. The OHA, which is the Oregon Health Department, and OSU which is Oregon State University. Also, our organization, Beyond Toxics, and our uh, neighborhood partner, uh, Bethel Community Organization, Active Bethel Community, and the West Eugene community members. So all those groups, this is the first time that this is happening in Oregon. For all of these groups of regulators and community members to come together to put together a plan of action for the West Eugene community is the first time that this has happened in Oregon. Just like in Houston, it's the first time that all of those groups have band together to put together a plan of action for the community of Kashmir Gardens. So they ended up making up a core group of their own, and they didn't even know it. Like, they've made up this core group of folks that they're just not calling it a core group, but it is. So as of July 27th, 2022, the TCEQ, remember that's the Texas Commission of Environmental Quality, they regulate the environment for Texas. The TCEQ um, issued Union Pacific a quote-unquote weak action plan. I should mention that there's a class action lawsuit against Union Pacific going on with the city and some of the Cashmere Garden folks. I just want to put that out there. Houston's mayor, um, Mayor Sylvester Turner, in addition to saying that Union Pacific has a weak cleanup plan, he also said, since the clash a- action lawsuit, we need to issue a stronger and more direct cleanup plan. He also said that he would be going back and demanding that the evidence shows there needs to be a stronger cleanup plan. So he's prepared, Mayor Turner is prepared to go to bat for Cashmere Gardens and say that he's demanding that the evidence shows there needs to be a stronger cleanup plan at the Union Pacific site and the site of the homes right there next to the rail yard. This elected official, he spoke up and he said, the federal court has more authority than the TCEQ. He's saying that the TCEQ, yes, they and they regulate the environment and such in Texas. But the big dogs, the federal court has more authority. So he went on to say that this situation is a whole different process and it's basically a clean state, clean slate that they can go into the court lay it all out, and if they're successful and convince the judge, the judge at that point can order anything, um, most anything that they feel is appropriate. So the judge could order most anything that that they felt was appropriate. That this is a very unusual circumstance and that it should not be taken lightly and it merits this type of action. So this guy is saying that yes, there is something going on. Yes, we took it to the top. Yes, the judge is able to order most anything that they feel appropriate and that this situation is unusual and the circumstances should not be taken lightly and they merit this type of action. So what brought us to this point? What is the unusual circumstance that we should not be taken lightly? First, get this. Union Pacific is only removing the contaminants that are closest to the surface and leaving the rest behind. Yeah, you heard that right. Union Pacific is only removing as of July 27th, 2022. Okay, like I said, this this case is evolving. But as of July 27th, 2022, Union Pacific is only removing the contaminants that are closest to the surface and they're leaving the rest behind. Second, environmental lawyer Rodrigo Cantu said that one of the things that Union Pacific had proposed One of the things, and hold on to your hats with this one, folks. One of the things that Union Pacific had proposed was to just wait and see. Are you kidding me? First of all, because according to state records, the regulators have known about this pollution since the 1980s. But the folks in the community didn't know about it until decades later. So samples were taken on Lavender Street and Liberty Road. They also took samples up into Houston's right-of-ways. And so they tested three areas, and the first group of homes that are directly over the plume are priority one, is what they said in the meeting. And they will need to be relocated. The second group are priority two, and they are immediately beyond the plume, which the mayor said the plume is migrating. So what could have been there and existed five or ten years ago may have migrated, he said. So the second group are priority two, and they are immediately beyond the plume, and they will need to be relocated. Now, when he said that they need to be relocated, I'm not sure if he meant permanently or if they think the property can be salvaged and they are going to relocate um, folks while they're doing the cleanup. I'm not sure, but he did say that they needed to be relocated. The third area that they tested was a little further out, and they are considered the third priority. So we have first, second, third. First is directly above the plume. Second is just beyond the plume, and third is a little bit further out. Oh, and the mayor said that uh, they would also need to be relocated. And again, I'm not sure um, if he meant relocated in forever or just while they do the cleanup. So three areas were tested. So as a side note, the empath in me sees people's lives as a priority, whether it's first, second, or third. So Houston's mayor says they're looking for different areas of funding um, and have been doing some inside work on utilizing various resources to provide some relief to these impacted families. And he said quote, "I don't want to get too far ahead, but the reality is, we are all in agreement that we should not be assuming the responsibility that Union Pacific should be assuming. Union Pacific should not just be sitting on the fence when it's their creosote that has created these problems. So they need to be active. They need to be an active participant in whatever the final resolution is. But what is important is that the people who are living in that area whose health has been affected each and every day, they need immediate relief. He also said Union Pacific needs to know that they are not going away. He said, Union Pacific can't just sit back and hope that things will die down within a few months, that this is critically important, and that all these groups coming together, the lawyers, city, county, community groups, is monumental. And yes, it is, Mayor Turner. It is monumental, and it's awesome that you all are doing that. Thank you for standing up for Cashmere Gardens like that. So, the city of Houston is ready to take legal action against Union Pacific, and they are not going away. 27% of the dioxin concentrations exceeded the EPA's action level for children. Exceeded the EPA's action level for children. So, as I close out, and one thing that was loud and clear to me was how many lives would have been saved if we had a public health overlay zone. Remember that from the last episode with Taryn and Repka? A public health overlay zone with that quarter mile buffer between between industrial areas and people, be that home, schools, parks, etc. If every state had something like that, if every state had a buffer zone like that in place, We can help avoid situations like what's happening in Kashmir Gardens and in West Eugene. It's not that big of an ask. Folks deserve the right to clean air, water, and soil where we live. That's basic. And we all have the right to that. So. Again, I am Arjory, your host. Thank you everyone for joining me today on this solo ride of Why We Do the Work. And I hope you join me next time. Bye-bye.